Teachers are ordained and anointed by God to correct, reprove, and instruct in righteousness. Teachers are disciples held to a higher standard and confidence. Teachers are offenders of evil because they speak God's truth. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Welcome, wonderful people, back to another episode of The Teaching Prophet. I am she, she is me, Tangela L. Clayton, the master teacher delivering lessons for the Lord. We will be continuing our learning journey through the book of Acts by stopping off in chapter four. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go back to one, two, and three of Acts and get those lessons, get you some notes, whatever you need. Just go down back there so you can hear what the Spirit is saying. All right, so today we have our audience being team of leaders, more specifically co-leaders. Again, our audience is the team of leaders, more specifically co-leaders. Our attribute is integrity. Integrity is having strong moral principles, moral uprightness, which means you have to stand in your belief or beliefs and uh, be your authentic self and resist social pressure, resist social pressures. Our key words for this particular chapter is going to be bold, blunt, and balanced. All right, so to review all of that, we have our audience being a team of leaders, more specifically co-leaders. Our attribute is integrity, and our key words is bold, blunt, and balanced. All right, so let's see what's going on here. So here in chapter four, we have Peter and John. They are still on Solomon's porch and they're speaking to the people. When the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees come around, they were greatly disturbed that Peter and John were teaching and preaching in the resurrection of Jesus. Now the officials snatched them up and put them in jail until the next day because it was already night. However, many who heard became believers, and it was about 5,000 of them who were converted on that day, right? So on the next day, the officials with Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many of the officials with Ananias, um, with the high priest and the family, in his family, they uh, gathered John and they went and got John and Peter out of jail, put them in the middle of them and demanded to know in whose name and by what authority were they teaching and preaching in. So Peter, once again, being filled with the Holy Spirit, responded, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he was made well today, just let it be known. It is by the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. It's by his hands that this man stand before you whole. All right. So he began, he continued on with his sermon and began to quote the prophet saying that Jesus was a stone, which they, them, the high priests and the people who are the builders, they rejected him, but God made him the chief cornerstone. And salvation cannot be obtained by any other name under the heaven than by Jesus. So the leaders and the officials, they marveled at this. 
Why did they marvel at this? They marvel at this because of the boldness of Peter and John, because they thought among themselves that these are some uneducated, untrained men. So they must have been with Jesus who taught them this. So they commanded John and Peter to go out from them. They said, okay, get out. We, we, we got to talk among ourselves. So in this meeting, they asked themselves what to do with them because they, they cannot deny this miracle that has taken place. They can't deny it. The people are celebrating it. They are praising God for it. And they cannot deny this. Um, so because they knew that this was the same man who was lame before birth. And this man was over 40 years old. So they was like, okay, we just going to threaten them real harshly and make sure that they don't teach or preach in his name anymore, teach and preach the resurrection. We just going to give them a real stern talking to. So they decided to, to do that, right? So they go out there and they're like, uh, listen, we, we acknowledge that this was a miracle. This was done. But don't do this no more. Don't preach in Jesus' name. Don't teach the resurrection of Jesus. Do not do this. Peter and John, they were not moved by this strong arm tactic. <laughs> they, came, they came back and said, uh, check this out. Rather it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, I'm going to let y'all be the judge of that. But for we can't speak but nothing that we, not, no more than what we hear and we've seen. So, yeah, okay, no, nah, we're not doing that. So the people was like, uh, the officials was like, no, we said, do not speak in his name. And we warning you not to speak in this name. Okay. We warning you because they knew they couldn't beat them. They knew they couldn't do anything other than threaten them because the people were glorifying God. The people was like really like into this. And so the officials, they knew they couldn't do nothing without having an uprising. So they just was like, listen. We admonish you not to do this. Now, going on about your way now. Going on and be good little lads and don't, don't preach and teach in Jesus' name. Well, mm -mm. so after being let go, John and Peter returned to their companions and then they reported all that was said and done to them. And so they began to praise God and lift up the Lord with their companions saying, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on a threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And with this praise to God and a prayer, the place where they were shook, filling everyone with the Holy Spirit, causing them to speak boldly the word of God. All that were assembled were one, one accord and of one heart, one soul. So much so, they began to sell all their possessions and the apostles with great power testified of the resurrection of Jesus. Thereby great grace 
fell upon them. Not one person in a company lacked because everyone had begun to sell their households and their lands, laying the proceeds at the feet of at the feet of the apostles. And they and the apostles begin to distribute out based on the needs of the people. Now, there was one Josiah, who the apostles renamed Barnabas, which means son of the encouragement. He had some great land because he was a Levite. He was somebody in Cyprus, but he sold his land and he laid his money at the feet of Jesus. This demonstrating that even in his powerful state, in his position, he recognized the power of God right? That was on the apostles. And so he laid all his proceeds at their feet so that everyone could be, you know, be without, without anything that they need, not they won't now, but what they needed. All right. So, okay, God, Uh, let's see how we do this. What are we talking about here? So now before it was just Peter. Now we talked when in one, two, and three, we see Peter demonstrating the different attributes of a leader. But now John, John never left his side, but now John is preaching and teaching alongside him in front of the Sadducees and the, the rulers and the uh, Ananias and uh, Caiaphas and all of them. He is helping, he is helping Peter uh, get the word out and, and about the resurrection and everything. So I was like, okay, Lord. Let's break some stuff down because you know me, Lord, I need to, I need to know how is this connecting to team of leaders and and more specifically co-leaders. And so I thought about my co-teaching situation that I have. Um, I am the general English teacher in the classroom, but two of my periods, I have a co-teacher. That co-teacher is um, my special education teacher because those last two class classes are considered my inclusion classes where we have students that have 504s and IEPs. And those students need their accommodations um, given to them daily or will be out of compliance with state federal guidelines, right? So it's two teachers in the room. And I remember when she, when we first met early part of this year, she had said, um, I don't like to be upfront. So can you just do all the teaching, you know, everything. And I'll just work with, make sure the students that need their accommodations, make sure they get their accommodations. I was like, okay, cool. No problem. Have no problem with that. So we begin our co-teaching situation. And so as we begin to learn each other, um, she's very good at keeping the data of the kids and making sure that the kids have their accommodations met, giving them what they need when they needed, um, when I, when the lesson, when I, I share the lessons plans with her and I was like, Hey, you know, how can this, you know, how can we adjust this or differentiate this for the special education students? So she'll do her little thing. Right. So as the year progressed on, um, we fell into a nice little groove, nice little groove to the point where she began to pick up on English. Now, she used to always say, I'm not an English teacher. Um, I'm a special ed teacher, but I mo- I'm mostly in, you know, some other areas, some other subject areas that are not English. But as she began to, we began to work together, it, be, it just became apparent that she was the sweet and I was the salty. Or she was the good cop and I was the bad cop. And 
the students fed off that, but we were on one accord. They couldn't play us. They can't play us because we on one accord. But now more and more, she's starting to take front stage and teach. And I'm starting to pull back some. I don't know why this is. Maybe, you know, I'm thinking she began to feel encouraged by the atmosphere that I said that we've set with the kids that it's a safe space. This is a safe space for her to be bold enough to begin to step outside her comfort zone of just with her students, with the special education students that was in the room. And so I'm proud. I'm godly proud that she does feel bold enough and she's blunt. And it's not blunt as in you just say what you want to say and cut and quick. No, you just uncompromisingly frank. And so she's now start like I say she's now starting to be more of the teacher in the room so if I need to do something step out or whatever the education of the students do not falter or she's just sitting there waiting on me to come back she's now bold enough and balanced enough and blunt enough to come out of her shell and to be able to teach the kids all of them as if I was still in the room and so I looked at this and I was like okay God he showed me that analogy and I was like, okay. So here we have Peter and John and mostly Peter was doing the heavy lifting, so to speak. And so now it's saying now how Peter and John begin to preach or begin to teach and begin to talk to the officials and begin to, and as well as the people, because the people are still there as well. Um, the resurrection of Jesus and what they've seen and what they've heard and how that man was healed. So when we're talking about uh, co-leaders, I will say I've I've had an issue with the whole co-pastor and co-teaching because I had a I, now trust me it's not an issue that I'm just like without cause or without justification. I've been in other co-teaching situations that has just really not have worked. And I also see the lesson in those co-teaching situations is because we wasn't balanced. We were not bold. We were not blunt. Maybe I was, but the other teacher wasn't because they were not comfortable in themselves. And that's what that balance come in at. When you're comfortable in yourself and you know who you are, that integrity, you have strong moral values and principles and you stand in your beliefs and you your authentic self you don't have to succumb to the pressure of the other i say social pressures at the beginning but any type of outside pressures outside of what you know to be yourself and what you believe in we were not there and so that's why i've had bad situations with co-teaching and so going into this situation, I was willing to be like, okay, whatever she wants to do, we're going to do it. Because I was like, I, I want to make this work because we got to be together for the whole year. So I want to make this work. But I found that I did not have to compromise anything within me to be in the room with her and she vice versa, because we're very strong women know who we are, know what we bring to the table. But like I say, now she's stepping out a little bit more in that teacher role as in delivering the lesson like John is doing. He's stepping out in more of that leader role in delivering the sermons. It could be as 
like the co-teaching situation that I'm in, that John began to feel confident, get that boldness from Peter and to be blunt, be unapologetic and uncompromisingly frank about the word of God that he can now, he's now stepping up to be more of a voice or a mouthpiece for God. And I said, oh my gosh, okay. So it's, it's, it's in that, that God is showing me how if there's a team of leaders, everyone must first be their authentic self in God. You got to know who you are. You got to know what you bring to the table in these co-leader leadership situations, because one leader could be the, the mouthpiece. They could be the mouthpiece, the one that goes before the people and begin to preach and teach and, you know, exegesis is the text to people. And you may be the leader that counsels the people behind the scenes because not all leaders in the church know how to counsel. <laughs> I'm going to say that again because uh, I done ran into a few. Not all leaders in the church know how to counsel. They can deliver these beautiful lessons and harmonize with the keyboard and all of that. But when it comes down to sitting one-on-one and counseling people, they fall short. They fall short. And so if you're in a co-leadership situation where one is so pretty, it's like the face of the ministry, that's fine. Be authentic in yourself to know that is, if that's something you're not strong in, then that's okay. Work what you are strong in. Be diligent about what God has given you. Everybody's not going to be the face or the voice of the ministry. And you have to be okay with it, especially if you are in a co-leadership situation. You cannot be jockeying or in competition with the person that you're working alongside with. Just because they are up front doesn't mean that they are getting all of the glamour and the glory. God doesn't take one over the other. If you are in a co-leadership position, if you are in a co-leadership situation, you guys have to talk that out. I'm not saying she and I are always on the same page because I'll be like, let's do this, do, 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 X, Y, Z. And she'll be like, well, okay, what about this? Have you thought about this? I don't think the SPED students can do this. But if we put it this way, and so then once we have that communication and we begin to come out and we come out with a, a, a lesson plan that everyone can get out of, we move forward because we both know it's not about her ego or my ego, who gets the praise. It's about giving the kids the lessons that they need in order to survive, in order to be elevated in their educational process. And so I think sometimes in the co-teaching or co-leadership position in the churches, we've forgotten that it's not about my ego or your ego. It's about the edifying of Christ and the glorifying of him, because if he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto you, all men unto himself. So we got to lift him up. And so I was like, oh, okay, God. And so then I, I have to repent because, again, 
I was looking at those co-pastoring, co-leadership positions in the church as I experienced it myself with other people. But like I said, the lesson in that is there were dysfunction. There was a discord. There was not in a balance. There wasn't a balance of, I, I, I don't want to say power. It just wasn't a balance of self and team. That's what it is. Thank you, Lord. It wasn't a balance of self and team where I have may have been balanced. The other ones were not balanced within themselves because I knew who I know who I am in God. And I know the woman of God that God is making continuing to mold me to be, and especially the teacher, the teacher that God was is molding me to be. I knew that. Now, some would say I'm cocky. Matter of fact, I was called cocky one time. And I said, no, I, I don't think you know the definition of cocky. Cocky is when you use the information you know against people to make them feel bad. I'm confident. I use the information to help people, to lift people up. And so, again, it could be that situation in your co-leadership. But you got to understand, co-leaders, that there has to be a balance of self first. And that means getting with God. Because after they had that experience, they went back to their companions and began to lift up God. They didn't go back to their companions being all high-headed and high-minded. and No, they went back in a humble state. And say, look what happened to us because we preached the resurrection of Jesus and their companions celebrated with them that they were bold enough and blunt enough to do that. And so this type of balance of prayer and praise creates a oneness, a oneness not only in themselves, but with but with their companions to where they begin to sell their goods. And lay them at the apostles' feet. And doing that, everybody was able to, in today's terms, eat. They were able to eat because no one need, no need went unmet. Just the same as my co-teaching situation. No child's need goes unmet regardless where they're at on the 504 or the IEP. Or regular student, no me, no need goes unmet because we're bold enough to take risks, and that's what God was showing me with the word bold. Not that you're bold enough to say or do, but will say stuff, but that you're also bold enough to take risk to do because there's some educational risk. Because I'm an educational risk taker, I don't believe in the status learning with the status quo. The child want to lay on the floor and learn, let them lay on the floor and learn. It's not, it's not always about sitting at a desk and learning. However, they can receive the lesson, let them receive it. Long as it's not interfering with their educational process or anybody else's in the room. So be bold enough. They were bold enough to take risks, to stand on Solomon's porch and, pe and preach and teach the resurrection of God. And then they were blunt about it. They were uncompromisingly frank. The Jesus whom you crucified in, it, in ignorance. Now, I get it. It was in ignorance, but you guys did it anyway. And then, like I said, they were balanced. They went back to their companions and were able to just humbly 
worship God and not get big headed and be look what look at us and look what we've done and this is all about us no this is about the furtherance of the ministry and so I said okay God I get it I get it it's like the salty sweet treats that's not I love them I love those salty sweet treats that has you could taste the salt but yet you know there's there's the sweetness in it in it as well this is how some leaderships are because you one can't always everybody can't be the good guy and somebody has to take you know the complaint somebody has to be the complaint department and I and I am I would say she's the complaint department when it comes to me but here is the thing about it she will not let those kids we we will not both of us will not let the kids talk bad about the other we'll be like hey they said such and such and so the kids hate that because they can't play one teacher off the other when you're in the church of God there is there should be no secrets there should be a balance one can should not be allowing the people of God to destroy the other leader. You have to come together and 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 come and be like, okay, they have an issue. Let's work this out. That's the other part of being balanced. You have to be balanced enough to know that if somebody come to you about your co-leader, you must bring in that co-leader and say, hey, they have an issue or there's an issue that arises because we have to be on one accord. We have to have one heart and one soul in order for the people of God to receive the ministry of God. Because I tell you, people are sometimes like children. And that's why they, I believe they always mention the children of Israel by calling them the children of Israel because they act like children. And They'll try to play mommy and daddy against each other, but we have to always remain consistently balanced with each other. And so they will know that we will hold the line. This is the standard that both of us are holding up. There's no short corners, I mean, shortcuts, no corners to be just taken. No, we're going to hold the line. And that's that bluntness as well. No. This is it. This is where the book stops. This is where it goes because the ministry of God, it cannot suffer because we're over here playing patty cake with the people. No. Co-leadership, co-leaders, you must be bold. You must be blunt and you must be balanced within yourself and within your team. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this lesson that we receive on today. I pray for all of those co-leadership situations that are out there. Those that are not, those that are struggling. I pray in the name of Jesus that they find their way back to you. They find a balance in you, oh God, so that they can continue to team up to deliver the word of God and to be the mouthpiece, to be the counselors, to be whatever the people need when they need it, oh God. And for those co uh, leadership situation that are thriving I could I say I could I say continue to bless them oh Lord continue to be with them oh God guide them lead them down the road of righteousness for your namesake oh God and not for their namesake oh God because it's about your people it's about drawing your people closer to you through the word of God because if we lift you up together oh God you would draw men unto you oh God and so we thank you and we praise you
We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by another episode of The Teaching Prophet. Don't forget to like, share, and or comment on whichever platform you are listening. We pray you tune in next time. God bless.